Hello and welcome to Be Yoga Live with Jenny B. I'm your host, Jenny B, coming to you live from Montreal, Canada. I'm getting used to this uh, this tech stuff, and I you know I've up upgraded my. I even bought these wireless ear pods, and as I'm here live talking to you, I realize I've forgotten them. So I go old school, a little bit more old school here, and plug in to make sure that everybody can hear me well. Oh, I have the wrong headphones. We're just gonna we're just gonna go like this and hope that this is gonna be fine. Um, so today I'm gonna talk to you about ahimsa, and it's translated. Ahimsa is translated from Sanskrit as nonviolence or non-harming. And this is the first of the Yoga Sutras, yamas, restraints, or the don'ts of Patanjali's eight limbs or steps of Ashtanga or Raja Yoga. These sutras or aphorisms were written at least 1,700 years ago and are comprised of 195 aphorisms or words of wisdom. Patanjali was an Indian sage that was so prolific, like Shakespeare, we wonder if he was actually more than one person putting together this very important work. Regardless, Patanjali's yoga sutras are like a manual to yogic living. Now, most of us come to yoga, uh, the yoga practice at step three of these eight limbs or these eight steps. And that's the asanas or the physical postures that we're all very familiar with. We know what tree pose looks like. We know what down dog looks like. Um, and if we're lucky, we find a teacher who is also bringing us in at step four, which is the pranayama or the breathing techniques. But usually we skip or we, we skim over number one and two, which are the yamas and the niyamas. These are the don'ts and the do's of yogic lifestyle. So today, as I mentioned, I'm going to talk about ahimsa, the first of the five yamas, the don'ts. Um, and as I mentioned, it's usually translated as don't harm, don't be violent. So non-harming in action, in speech, and even in thought. Non-violence in action probably seems the most obvious. We don't punch anyone. We don't kill anyone. There are many everyday actions that are violent, whether we realize it or not. It could be slamming the door, driving aggressively, or, or smashing your hand on the keyboard because Zoom is fucking frozen yet again. Fucking, I, I said it. It's a violent word. And any of the profanity that many of us regularly use is considered violent. And just hearing me say the word fuck three times now probably has you feeling at least a little bit uncomfortable. It's for effect. I do swear a lot, and anyone who knows me knows that I have a potty mouth. Today I'm going to probably exaggerate a little bit just to prove my point. My potty mouth probably makes me a bad yogi, and you can judge me for it, and, and rest assured I'll also be judging my, myself right along with you. I do, however, feel that while these words certainly aren't sattvic, there's a difference between dropping an F-bomb because you cut your finger and calling someone a, a bitch or a hoe bag. At least I don't tend to do that too often. Would you agree that one thing is more violent than the other? You can, of course, cause harm with words even when you're not swearing. Anything that puts another person down can be considered violent and definitely harmful. And if you know and remember that song, Sticks and Stones May Break My Bones But Names Will Never Harm Me, it doesn't ring true for me. I would argue, as would the ancient yogis, that verbal abuse can be even more harmful than physical abuse, and that those wounds often never heal. They stay with us, the things we hear as children, the things we even hear as adults, um, they stick with us. They're a little bit more difficult to heal than a cut or a bruise. 
So refraining from violent or harmful thoughts might seem the most abstract of the three. How can just a thought cause harm? The argument is that violent thoughts are in fact the most harmful and that our thoughts inform our speech and our actions. All of our speech and actions will start with a thought. Judith, Judith Hansen Lassiter, who's a celebrated author who's been teaching yoga since the 70s, says, one mind letting go of violence is one mind not contributing to the suffering in the world. And reducing suffering is the ultimate intention of ahimsa. She proposes observing our violent thoughts, recognizing that we are not our thoughts, distancing ourselves from those thoughts, and eventually we will have more, less, <laughs> less of them and more space. And uh, she says, and I agree, that letting go of our violent thoughts is the catalyst for much needed change in this world. And I don't know about you, but I have some pretty violent thoughts, especially these days. And it's a little ironic that you are perhaps tuning into this show live uh, on Facebook because Facebook causes a lot of these violent thoughts for me. Um, or like yesterday, I want to tell this story, and this will resonate a little bit more for some of you, depending on if you're parents or just how you how you feel about uh, mask wearing or not mask wearing. Um, so I'm here in uh, in Montreal, Quebec, where under the age of 10, it is not mandatory yet to wear a mask, even if you're in inside commerces, uh, it is not the law. So my kids and I went to a depth, a depanard, a corner store the other day after school. They were excited to uh, to spend their tooth fairy money. I don't know what happened, but the tooth fairy. Uh, soon we'll talk about satya and truth, and I'm sure that that will come up. They know there's no tooth fairy, but they play along. It was actually my nine-year-old who put money under the pillow for my seven-year-old the other day. So he had money. She had money. We went into the depanard, and... Um, and the guy told us we couldn't be in there unless we had masks. And I explained to him, well, they're, they're not 10 yet. They don't need to wear a mask. Uh, and he was insistent. And I did since find out, thank you, Facebook, that, uh, that it's up to the commerces to decide if, uh, if the children need to wear masks or not. Regardless, it was super annoyed. I was offended. They didn't even have masks with them if I wanted to have them put masks on anyway. And um, uh, needless to say, we chose not to spend our money in that dip. Um, this little example uh, fired me up for sure for a number of reasons. The kids, the kids weren't mad. They're kids. They thought it was a little bit silly because they've been, of course, into many stores recently, and it's the first time that anybody's ever asked them to put on a mask. Um, so we left, and they spent their tooth fairy money elsewhere. And uh, funny enough, the depth we went into the second time, not even the not even the guy running the place was wearing a mask. So you can see how these things differ. Um, but as we left the first step, we were kicked out and, and, and kind of laughing about the situation. My son had to pee. And so my initial violent thought was he should just take a piss on the building. Um, that was my thought. And then my thoughts became words. And for some reason, I thought that that was an appropriate thing to say to my children. Why don't you just pee on the building? And they laughed and uh, thankfully have a little bit better judgment than their mom does. <laughs> So, uh, so he peed in an alley instead. <laughs> Probably you don't think of me as a violent person. I've been practicing yoga for 20 years. I've been teaching for almost 10. So how could I be violent? Up to now, you probably didn't even realize that I have a potty mouth either. We used to have this jar where every night we would write down the things we were grateful for which is a beautiful practice, and we should probably get back to it. 
Um, and, and we put those little slips of paper into a jar and we would store them up so we could go back and read about all the, uh, all the things we're grateful for. Uh, these days, though, we have a jar and mommy puts money in the jar every time she says the word shit. Bad, bad yogi. Again, judge me if you want. I'm busy judging myself, too. And we'll get back to why that's not the best ahimsa practice, the self-judgment. But if you do know me and you know that I swear, cats out of the bag, you, um, you might also know that I have a short fuse. I'm a fireball or a firecracker. And if you know about Ayurveda, uh, you call this pitta. This part of me and this part of many of you listening, the firing, the fiery part is very, very useful. Uh, I'm super driven. I'm super productive. I get shit done. My metabolism is excellent. I have great muscle tone. Many, many pros to having a, a fiery constitution. Um, but I also have the temper of a redhead. I can say I can blame it on my Scottish heritage. I can say that it's in my nature to be aggressive. But that's just not true. The aggression and the violence in thought speech and action comes out when I, comes out when we are out of balance. So how do we get to the point of road rage or, or yelling at our children? We aren't practicing ahimsa. We became violent because we weren't doing something very basic and that's treating ourselves with the respect and kindness that we're trying so hard to treat others with. And some of these thoughts really came together for me this Monday, a couple days ago on the online mommy uh, meetup that I host. These are tired mamas. Uh, these are moms in the postpartum period and an especially challenging postpartum period with the COVID lockdown where we're already feeling isolated and now, uh, now we can't even get out to, uh, to go over to a friend's to have a coffee. Tired mamas and um, I was a tired mama once, I'm still a tired mama. Um, but I really remembered how easy it is to get out of balance in those first months and years of a child's life. We're exhausted and we are burning up and we are burning out. And in, in general, we push too hard. This capitalist society we live in where busyness is valued and relaxation means you're lazy. We're like that even before we have kids and those, those habits definitely don't die just because we're on mat leave, they're exasperated. I regularly share my story of postpartum depression I guess now seven years ago I was diagnosed um, I was diagnosed with postpartum depression uh, after my second born I wasn't depressed though I was raging my my exhaustion was coming out in the form of fire in the form of rage and like most if not all new moms I was exhausted I didn't have enough help I didn't have enough sleep I had no time alone and I didn't know how to set any boundaries so by the time I opted for Ciprolex I had punched holes in my wall, literally punched holes in my wall. I went on antidepressants, things got very clear quite quickly uh, for me. I don't, uh, I don't have any regrets or any bad feelings around the decision to take antidepressants by any means. It was definitely what I needed to do in that moment. I was, uh, I was moving my body in the mom and baby yoga classes that I was taking, but I wasn't practicing yoga. I wasn't practicing the very foundation that we're talking about. I wasn't taking care of myself. So how can we practice nonviolence of action, speech, or thought toward others if we can't even practice it toward ourselves? How can we find compassion for others? How can we love others? Can you imagine saying to someone the things you say to yourself on a regular basis, the shortcomings, the insults, Maybe it's body image. Maybe you're pissed off that you're just so stupid. I can't believe I did that again. 
I'm such an idiot, different for all of us, but there's negative self-talk, self uh, I think, going on in our minds on a daily basis for most of us. So what can we do? We can only do our best. And we can remember that just like deepening a forward fold or holding longer in a balanced posture, ahimsa is a practice. So let's do our best and eat and drink and sleep well, exercise, set healthy boundaries, take care of ourselves so that we can continue to care for, ever, to, to care for others. And when we fuck it up, we apologize. We find love and compassion for ourselves so we can keep finding it for others. I wanted to finish off reading a story from uh, one of the women I mentioned earlier, Judith Hanson Lester, who um, there are many different translations and interpretations of the Yoga Sutras. Some of the ones I love the most come from her. Uh, Donna Fari is also uh, a yoga teacher who I absolutely adore, and she's written some really, uh, really wonderful, clear uh, interpretations of the Yoga Sutras um, that that really resonate, um, not, not to moms or not to women necessarily, it's just a softer, general, uh, gentler, uh, heart-centered uh, way of looking at the sutras, uh, recognizing that um, well, some of the ways that this stuff is phrased um, implies that we are, uh, we are overcoming our true nature of aggression in acting a certain way. Uh, in acting with Ahimsa, whereas um, these women, as well as Nishala Joy Devi, uh, she's probably my favorite author on this subject. Um, it's a more heart-centered uh, translation, realizing that we are love, we are compassion. This is our nature, so we need to get back to that nature. How can we use the Yoga Sutras? How can we use, uh, especially Ahimsa, to get back to that? I'm going to see if I can quickly find the story. I wanted to read to you. Um, that is a, that is a story she says she's heard from many yoga teachers of hers over the years, just to be really clear um, that th this idea of yogis, uh, I don't know, for those of you who are watching on the actual video and not uh, not listening on, on the podcast version of this, my shirt, my kids hate this shirt, it says Namaste Kalis, which in French is probably the equivalent of all those F-bombs I was dropping a moment ago. Uh, they think it's wildly inappropriate, but I thought it was, uh, I accidentally put it on today and, and some of my dear yoga students, I hope, I hope, Leah, I hope you're watching. I hope some of you are watching, convinced me that it would probably be appropriate for the conversation, the direction I wanted to take this, uh, this talk in today. So um, here is the story that she tells. Uh, why did I get off on that tangent? Why did I get off on that tangent? Yeah, so this idea of, um, of ahimsa being a practice and ahimsa, nonviolence, not meaning uh, we must become pushovers, not meaning that we must accept everything that's presented in front of us as okay. Um, there's a lot of that I find these days, just accepting, just saying, oh, well, the kind thing to do, the gentle thing to do is to do this, to do that, to obey the rules. Um, I, I think that that's probably not the, the best approach I'm seeing this. Thank you, Leah. I'm gonna read your comment and I think I can even put it up here. So negative emotions like frustration, anger, resentment are easier emotions to give into. It takes more energy to practice joy, kindness, especially in difficult times when we are asleep. Yes, when we are sleep deprived and so on. Thank you so much and won't give away too much of her personal uh, life, but Leah is in the in the thick. So I am so happy to see that she is using, uh, using Ahimsa and the practice. And, uh, and it is a practice and it's not, it's not easy by any means. So 
I'm going to get to get to this story. Yeah, so not just not just giving up and um, uh, you know we as yogis are peaceful and can never speak up when something is uh, is wrong. Okay, so this story that I will tell now um, from Judith Hansen Lester. Maybe I won't find it. Ah, here we go. So she says, and this is in a really great book, Living Your Yoga. And uh, she takes some information from the Yoga Sutras and just, just puts it in a really nice, clear, understandable way. And I really recommend it to anybody who's interested in this subject. We must, however, be clear about the differences between acting with violence and acting in a way that protects ourselves and others. There's a story about Ahimsa that I've been told by many teachers throughout the years. A certain sadhu or wandering monk would make yearly teaching visit to some villages. One year, as he entered a village, he saw a large menacing snake terrorizing the people. The sadhu spoke to the snake and taught him about Ahimsa. This once magnificent creature was skinny and bruised. The sadhu asked the snake what happened. The snake replied, oh sorry, so this was when the, when the sadhu made his visit the next year. Um, he, was, he was skinny and bruised. He asked what happened and the snake replied that he had taken the teachings of Ahimsa to heart and had stopped terrorizing the village. But because he was no longer menacing, the children now taunted him and threw rocks at him. So he was just, he was just inward, ignoring, um, ignoring himself, ignoring caring for himself. Because he was no longer menacing, okay, I said that. Um, the sadhu shook his head. I did advise against violence, he said to the snake, but I never told you not to hiss. So I kind of wanted to end on that, just trying to make it clear that I don't think that it's, um, that's our job as, as yogis to not stand up when something is wrong. Uh, and by stand up when something is wrong, I don't mean, I don't mean actually pee on the wall of the, uh, of <laughs> the brick of the depth um, that I was talking about before by any means, but not to, um, it's okay to hiss in self-protection and in protection of our children. Um, yeah, I'll say it like that. Um, so on that note, I wanted to invite you to join me, please, next uh, next week. And uh, on building on this topic and probably a little bit more serious of a conversation, I'm so, so happy that next week, the owner of Luna Yoga, Jennifer Megan Dance, is going to join us to speak about the subject of vegetarian diet and yoga, which uh, we'll get into it more next week, of course, with Jennifer. But um, but this is one of the ahimsa is one of the main reasons that uh, the yogic diet is vegetarian, if not vegan. So I invite you to come back, join me next week, and Jennifer next week, one thirty live on Facebook. Really hope to see you there. Please feel free to leave comments. And uh, if you have any ideas for shows, things that you would like to talk about or people that you would like to see on the show, my intention is to have a wonderful guest on the show uh, every second week here. And every other week you get to uh, you get to listen to just me, hopefully not, not drop too many more F-bombs. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for watching. It's been an absolute pleasure to get some of these things off of my mind and, uh, and out into the internet. Have a wonderful rest of your afternoon.